good. The food flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Oh, Harry, how about your banquet in New York? Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Reiser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben. All right, are we ready to do this? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. Possibly. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Is it? Is it? What do you mean? Is it? <laughs> is it? Ho, ho, ho. Are you not in the in the spirit, Gabe? Not as much as you with that tree right behind you there. Yeah, come on. Yeah, I'm You're watching late. Christmas movies every day. I I am I, I am living it late. What are you talking about late? I haven't seen the tree lit up like this. Maybe you haven't put on the lights or something. This is our first time in December that we've talked. That's true, Gabe. Okay. Are you aware of how time works? I have a calendar? tree. I have a tree well, as well. well. I was going to have a tree up in November. Actually, I, the last time we talked, I did have the tree, but I didn't have the lights in it. Yeah. I was going to say, Scott and I did a podcast yesterday. Was it really just yesterday? Wow. Was it just yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. Um. And it was during the day. I, I don't remember the tree. It must have been there without the lights on, though. Well, it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't. It was, it, was, it was darker. Like, during the day, it does get darker during the day, Gabe. <laughs> I mean, I didn't look like I was in the witness protection program like, right. like yeah. Gabe Rodriguez does. Okay. That's right. There was but, a lot of backlight, I guess, coming from the window, the window or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. So you've been watching Christmas movies every day. Every day, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the, I'm in the spirit, as you say. And yesterday, I went to uh, Music Box after I talked to Ben, and I saw your favorite movie, The Exorcist. You said that that was fifty years ago that to yesterday, right? I think it came out fifty years ago this week. It, it was a movie that opened in December. What? What makes them think they can put out The Exorcist in December? They were right. Huge you were hit. right. It was a huge hit. It would have been a bigger hit if they put out in October. <laughs> right? I no. No one wants to think about that in December. Come on. Yeah. If if the, if the Exorcist had come out in October, you would have went to see it. It would have been a, a hit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Uh, it's like that Thanksgiving movie that just came out. It's, come on, I don't want to see a horror film about Thanksgiving. First of all, you're not going. You didn't see it, right? Yes. Yes. So because what, what what does it matter to you? According I'm against it. According to Google, which isn't always right, the original release date for The Exorcist was December 26, 
Wow, the day after Christmas. <laughs> that's that's intense. That's you know what that's called? That's counter programming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Think about it though. Like seventy one, everybody in America is seeing deliverance, right? Seventy two, everybody is seeing Godfather. Seventy three, everybody sees the Exorcist. Seventy four, Godfather two, seventy five, Jaws, seventy six, Rocky. 77 Star Wars and then it just you know everything breaks after that like everybody saw The Exorcist when it came out and I'm not the same person since and I will never see it again (laughs) so you did see it once of course I've seen it and I'll never see it again I'll leave the room if it's on <laughs> as, See, as we I did, we weren't allowed to watch it. My my mom was like, she honestly thought that having that on in the house, you know, somebody actually would get possessed if it was allowed to play on the television. She's like, no, 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 that's not happening in this house. <laughs> I was watching. I watched The Exorcist like last month, or maybe in maybe in October, mm-hmm. and it and it really hit me hard for the first time. That although tubular bells is like this iconic piece mm-hmm. of music and forever associated with the Exorcist, and you think of the Exorcist, you think of that music, but there really is next to no music in that movie. It's great. That seemed like the biggest reaction that the movie got in the theater last night was during the Spinal Tap scenes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So they tell her that she should see uh, an exorcist and she's like so you're telling me i should take my daughter to a witch doctor and then the next scene she's in the car and there's this little pulse of music that broom 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 and you realize you haven't heard music in so long in this movie and then this little minimalist creepy thing Mm -hmm. it's barely music all the work yeah yes it just does all the work it's so great it's a great movie and i think since friedkin has died there's been this movement to name sorcerer his best movie you're part of the movement to name to live and die in la his best movie i'm not i'm I'm not saying that and i know we're going to get into a bit of a thing about this i'm just saying it's my favorite movie not not that it's i I don't understand what's the difference between the best and your favorite there's here it is that's that's the (laughs) thing we're going to get into it's me saying i understand that empirically I don't have a right to say that I think that To Live and Die in L.A. is a better, better movie than The Exorcist. It's ridiculous. I'm just saying for my personal, my journey through the work of Friedkin, uh-huh. when when I saw To Live and Die in L.A. was the right time, the right movie, I'll always have the fondest memories of that movie when it comes to him. Okay. That's right. what I'm trying but to say. But you think The Exorcist is the best? Empirically, it's a better movie. Do I think it's... It is- he is empirically it's on the fire. Right word. I mean, it is perfect. It's yeah. it, like like somebody saying to live and die in L.A. is better than The Exorcist is like somebody saying uh, one from the heart is better than The Godfather. You might have had a great time seeing one from the heart. Right. I like one from the heart, but it's not. Which is the, why the, the I Godfather say it's my favorite. Just, why don't you understand the difference between the, the word favorite and best? I just don't understand. If if I say something's the best and it comes out of my mouth, it's what I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it because, you know, I, I'm reading it somewhere. And I, I just, and, and people always seem to get upset about this. Like, well, that's your opinion. I'm like, yes, of course it's my opinion. I just uttered it. I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't tell you that, like, you know what I mean? It's, it goes without saying. 
Gabe, right? Yes, you're right. Exactly. If you say it, it's your opinion. Obviously. Well, then My you shouldn't have is... any. But then you shouldn't have any problem with anybody saying that one from the heart is the best Coppola movie, or that I, To Live and Die. I don't have a problem. I'm just disagreeing with that, and I'm saying when you when you lay these movies next to well, each other, but then, you're but like, yeah, oh, but you, you, no, because then you say because you say for somebody to say that one from the heart is better than The Godfather uh, seems a little crazy to me. Right. It seems so like, that you're arguing with yourself about whether something is empirically the best. Myself. Like I understand that the mat that the that the that the majority opinion and it's a well reasoned opinion and there's nothing I can do to argue the fact that Exorcist is probably William Friedkin's best movie, period. Which one do I enjoy the most? Which one would I, if you put them both in front of me and said, you got to watch one of these, you're on a desert island, you can, only, you can only watch. I'd probably watch To Live and Die in L.A. God help us. There are some people that are stumping for The Guardian. You know what I mean? It's gotten that crazy. You know, you get you got the people who are stumping for cruising. But Wait, now we've got What's the, the one Guardian. with Benicio Del Toro hiding out in the woods? The Hunted. God, is that a bad movie that got like good reviews when it came out from some people? Really? Yeah. Terrible. Well, I like Bug and Killer Joe. I love Killer Joe. I love lot. Bug. I like uh, Killer Joe fine. I think Bug is better. Mm. Now, speaking of The it's Exorcist, hard. let me say something that I think might be heretical when it comes to this. Ooh. I, for the first time, I didn't even know there such a thing existed, but I discovered last month that there's this Exorcist TV series from maybe the early 2000s, mid-2000s, that was on Fox or something. You're right. Yeah. And it takes place in Chicago. Oh, right. And it I stars have... Gina Davis uh, and uh, a cast of others. And I don't want to say anything more about it, except that I watched the whole first season over the last month. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is fucking good. I mean, really? this might be one of the best horror series that's ever been on TV. It is nasty. It is. It was on broadcast TV, I believe. And it is no holds bar, like vicious. Really? Horror. And where did you see it? Where can you it's see it? It's on um, Hulu now. Okay. I'll check it out. I recommend. I recommend it more than any of the Exorcist sequels or remakes. That's for sure. Ooh. Any of them, including Exorcist 3. This Gabe, you want to watch Exorcist 3 with us? <laughs> you want to watch that scene again? No. I just watched it because you had it on, but I wasn't I wasn't there with you. You know? Yeah, no, you want to watch it right now. Should we, <laughs> should we, <laughs> should we fire it up? No, no, no. But Ben, you were right when you said the 2000s. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Gabe, who do we have on the show today? Today... It's been a long time since I've seen this gentleman. But Joel Spencer. Yeah. From Menthol. Right. Champagne's finest. Along They're, with a few other bands from there. Champagne. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what he's to doing qualify today. it like that. If you're going to say Champagne's finest, stick to it. Along with yeah, a couple other bands. It's just your opinion, man. It's yeah. coming out of your mouth. So yeah. Obviously, it's your opinion. I'm just saying, there's a lot of bands that came out of Champagne. Such as. I found out that Ludacris is from Champagne. That is that a band? That's the name of a band. Crazy to me. It's you Ludacris. Don't know who Ludacris is? No, I do. <laughs> but anyway, he... Joel Spencer is here. He's yeah. uh, from Menthol. One of our old buddies. We, we used to share a practice space. Actually, doesn't get any more intimate than that. 
we, we don't need to talk to Joel about that. We got plenty of stuff to talk to, to him about because Menthol played what I thought was their first show in a long time last week at Empty Bottle. And uh, that's exciting. I know a lot of people who went to it and they said it was great. Of course it was. So we got him to tell us what he's been up to. A bit of a uh, lifer recidivist. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Right? Nice word. Yeah. But but we'll find out. Maybe not. Maybe he never stopped. I got a question for the two of you. Go ahead. And I... Uh, Caller. Caller, are you there? Yeah. What's your a, question? A family member that I won't mention by name because they have asked me to... Not not to roast them in their words. <laughs> like, okay. okay. Uh, they asked me for a movie recommendation, and I gave them three choices, and one of them was, I love you, man, because I'd been thinking about it because we used a clip from it right. a couple weeks ago or last week or... Slap in the bass. Well, we'd done slap in the bass, but then I think we... We almost used another one, or we did use another one? Mm, I don't know. Anyway, was on my mind. Uh, That's it? No, no, no. And they wound up picking I Love You, Man, and watched I Love You, Man. And then I said, what did you think of I Love You, Man? And they said, oh, it was okay. Not bad. Wasn't that funny. And I'm like, whoa, because I... Anyway. Got into a thing with them. And the question is this, for the two of you, if you've seen both of these movies... Which movie is funnier, in your opinion? I Love You, Man, or The Hangover? I Love You, Man. I haven't seen The Hangover. But you've seen I Love You, Man? It sounds familiar. I think that clip where he's talking about the bass and stuff, I think I've seen that before. Paul Rudd is going to get married, and he realizes he has no, or his fiance realizes he has no male friends. And so he sets about trying to... Kind of like you, friend. Gabe. I've seen that movie before. I want to watch it again. I love you, man. Yeah. I love you, man. And the, and the guy he fixates on is Jason Siegel. And the, As we all would. <laughs> I've seen this before. But I had the worst memory in the world, so I can watch it again, and I, I think it's the first time. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for answering my question. Great. Family member who will not be named will be interested to hear that. There's only three people it could be, Ben. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not my son and it's not my wife. Yes. <laughs> of course not. I think we all knew. <laughs> Who didn't want to get roasted? Yeah. Gabe, have you done anything unpunk this week? Unpunk Gabe, unpunk Gabe, unpunk, unpunk, unpunk Gabe. Unpunk, unpunk, unpunk Gabe. That's a good question right now because yesterday... <laughs> I think I spent eight hours in three stores. <laughs> you know these stores I'm talking about. I'm talking about Marshalls. <laughs> it's, it's like a stand-up act. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who are these stores? Where um, no. do these stores come from? You've been there. TJ Maxx. Have you been to TJ Maxx in the last 25 years? It hasn't changed. It's the same store. It's the okay. same stuff in the store. You don't yeah. have to go there once a week. It's the same stuff. Right. But I had to go. You know, the wife said, I, I got to get some stuff. I'm like, all right, I'll go with you. We'll spend the day together. We'll get some lunch. You going to spend the day at TJ Maxx? Uh, when you go to TJ Maxx with the wife, it's going to take a while. 
So whatever. There's a bunch Does of women be shopping, right? <laughs> Here's my thing about TJ Maxx that that the one who does not want to be roasted tried to school me on. I was I was in TJ with my wife and the one who won't be roasted recently and I get sucked she in. who she who shall not be roasted <laughs> she who shall not be roasted and every time I'm at one of these joints I get sucked in by the fact that they have all these fucking bags of candy and snacks and chips up at the up at the line for the register that you've never seen before there are all these brands you've never heard of and they all are th- you think oh they must be cheap because we're at TJ Maxx and it must be a bargain you just hijacked Gabe's story. Did it's I, the same story. I thought there was going to be. A, oh, is it? Aside, oh, is it? You're, you're like completely. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you did you also get involved with the snacks there? You can't go through that line without putting one more thing in the in the bag or whatever. Right. And it's sixteen dollars. Right. But more than that, it's garbage. And she, and and the one who shall not be roasted was like, "Don't get any of this stuff. It's all terrible." I'm like, "No, no. This looks so good. It's caramel. This and it's whatever that." It's all stale. It all sucks. Yeah. I, I go in there for the Christmas cookies this time of year or, or the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the, the wafers or whatever it is, you know, the treats. But I think they've been Ooh. sitting there all year. Yeah. You know, when I had the other day, uh, there's this chocolate store uh, in Old Town and they had chocolate covered Nutty butters. Wait a minute. Wait a Nutter minute. Nutter butters. Didn't Nutter you butters? just you know those go cookies? on a rant <laughs> you know against about? those cookies? Chocolate. Last week, and oh, that's big chocolate. This is a, like an independent <laughs> chocolate place. Oh, okay. There is such a thing as good chocolate. So, chocolate covered butter butter. Come on, you know that the the, the cookie in the shape yeah. of a peanut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this shit, and I'm gonna bring it to you guys at the uh, at the Lifers Podcast Live. There's still a few <laughs> tickets left for January first and second. So I'm thinking, I, I saw Colin the other night uh, at G-Man, and he's, he's going to come on. He's going to come on. He's going to sort of come around. He's, he's not mad at us anymore. Uh, he even bought a tracksuit. He's like, I, I bought a tracksuit for the, the thing. I'm like, oh, well, that's great. I'm, I'm thinking we should wear pajamas on the first, you know, just basically, you know, fall out of bed and, and go there. Well, or like, the pack, up, butter, like the pack up the cat's anniversary tour. Sure. Like, yeah. Gabe, do you have Do I pajamas? have pajamas? You'll yeah. be surprised to find out that I do have pajamas. <laughs> I am surprised. <laughs> uh, I started getting pajamas when I got married. We, we, you know, we did the thing where you buy the Christmas pajamas and you dress up alike. Yes, I, I did it. I, I, do you have, do you have those, <laughs> do you have those onesies? No, not and, onesies. No, I, I and, draw and the line. Where, I, I picture Gabe having those onesies where he walks around yeah. and the back the is open and his butt's hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Not with the footies or whatever. No, I didn't, I didn't. I want those. Bunny ears. those for this. Yeah. No, no, no. I, it's the flannel. The color. The Christmas color is this this year. We're gonna get these flannels. I did it. Sure, sure. You sure. you don't you didn't never did it. What the Christmas flannels? No. <laughs> you never went to TJ Maxx with Justine and said I'll I'll be over here. Come get me when you're done. I I don't know if I've ever been in a TJ Maxx, and if I if I if I was, I I don't remember it. Wow. You get blacked out. <laughs> it was mugged by Russians in a TJ Maxx. 
Anyway, if you ever get dragged into a TG Maxx, just, just, they should have a bench outside with a cover over it. So when it's raining, you don't get wet. I was looking at the benches. It was raining. I couldn't sit there. I'm like, where am I going to sit? You know, after hour two, hour three, I'm like, okay, I'm going to the ice cream store. I'll get my ice cream cone. I'll come back when you're done. No, she's not done. Is this part of your hard five of comedy that you've been been working on? Hard Is that five. what's going on right now? I'm just saying, these stores, they're not different than they were last week. You don't have to go every week. Just go once every six months. Then the, you know, the inventory will be rotated. You go to TJ Maxx every week? No, but my wife would if she, if she could. <laughs> this is like that special I watched on, was it Netflix? Is it that guy, Mike Brabiglia? Is that his name? Mike Brabiglia. Ooh, he's not for me. No, he's not for me either. I'm watching this thing and I'm like, 10 minutes really? in, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this was comedy. He's telling the saddest fucking stories. And I'm just like. Well, like, look at him. He should be telling sad <laughs> stories. He looks like the saddest person on the planet. That's that's his bread and butter. The comedy thing not working for you, kid. Tell the sad stories. Tell us why you look like that. What's his name? Mike Berbiglia. Say it. Uh, Mike Berbiglia. No, pretty good. Excellent pronunciation. But I don't know. Is that Greek? I, I don't know. No. What is it? So, Sounds so, Italian to me, but so, I don't know. So wrap wrap up your your. Big finish for your stand-up. There is yeah. no big finish. I'm just saying these places <laughs> need to be stopped. And eventually, Kmart went out of business. Ross, you're next. Gabe's so punk. Gabe's so punk. Punk rock, punk rock, punk rock, Gabe. Punk rock, punk rock, punk rock, Gabe. Ross? Yes, you never been to there? Dr dress for less? Ben, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. See, and I see that thing, and it looks like... It looks to me like it's like art supplies. No, that's Hobby Lobby or Joanne's Fabrics. Or Michael's. Mike, oh, no, don't tell me, don't get me started about Michael's. <laughs> but there's coupon. also uh, Filene's Basement and there's Ann Taylor Loft. There's all kinds of fucking shit. I know, but, you know, you, you, you got to get the Christmas cards, the new decor of the year. Scott, you, maybe you're too early in their honeymoon time still, but it, it's coming. Maybe not, never. I don't know. I don't know Justine that well, but maybe she'll, you know, get the Christmas cards going one year. Speaking of, mine are going out soon, and I want to. I want an acknowledgement from you, Ben. I need your address. Ah, thank you. I will happily send. Uh, I will send it to you right away. Now, I'm going to warn listeners in advance. One thing we're not doing on tonight's show is a what's the best. What's the best? We've heard you. We've heard your pain. Apparently, some of you out there want a little break from what's the best. So we're not. We're not playing around that tonight. But, Scott, Aww. you suggested that maybe we would each pitch a streaming Christmas movie. You want to try that? I've got one. Sure. Like, when a couple months ago in October, we would give our Halloween movie picks. Mm -hmm. You want to do some Christmas picks? Yeah. Gabe, have you seen a Christmas movie? <laughs> Ever? Uh, I saw a new movie the other day. Oh. Okay. Was it a Christmas movie? No, it doesn't count. But you Natalie sure? Portman, Julianne Moore, Netflix. Oh, look at you, you watching watch an art house movie. Oh, May, December, right? Yeah. You watched May, December? Of course it did. Creating a cinephile, Gabe Rodriguez. <sighs> 
it's out? I didn't realize it was out. Yeah, it's, out. it's on, it's on uh, Netflix? Is that right? I didn't fall asleep. I did not oh, fall asleep. Oh, well, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's not even in the theaters yet. How is it on Netflix already? Is it that's, supposed to be in the theaters? I'm wondering. Is roll. it a movie for the theaters? Or is it a movie you sure it's not in theaters? I think it's in theaters. Oh, oh shit. I, I've been busy. I've been busy. We're, so been, we're I beat you going to out. We're going on tour this week. By the time this comes out, we'll have already started. So, you know, I haven't seen anything. All right. Well, I recommend it. It's not a Christmas wow. movie. A Christmas movie. It was a pretty good movie. I, I would love to hear your review, but I haven't seen it yet. So you're going to have to sit on this one, Potsy. Well, by the way, <laughs> Todd Haynes has made some other movies with Julianne Moore. So maybe you've seen those too. I've seen plenty, but we'll talk about really? it. Go ahead. What do you got? Have you seen Far From Heaven? No. Safe. I saw Safe, didn't I? Oh, you look saw at you. Safe. Is that the one, Ben? What's the one? Yeah, nah, well, I mean, the one. Oh, did, did you watch Lords of Flatbush? No, I can't. I can't. <laughs> we need to go to a different direction. Do you have a, a Christmas recommendation that's streaming somewhere for for the people out streaming. there? I don't know if it's streaming. What do you got? I'm gonna pick the best. What's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Wow. Now, is that the best or is that your favorite? Both. On Sunday, December 4th, Burl Ives again tells the exciting new story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on the General Electric Fantasy Hour. The date, Sunday, December 4th. Join Rudolph in a trip to the Island of Misfit Toys. Meet Yukon Cornelius, the funniest prospector of the North. Gad Zeus, the bumper snow monster of the North strikes again. <laughs> Meet Santa's elves and hear seven original Christmas songs. Burl sings... Have a holly jolly Christmas, it's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. It's a holly jolly Christmas special for the entire family. Don't miss Rudolph, Sunday, December 4th, in color on most of these stations. Soundtrack, story, the animation, the claymation, whatever it is. But so, Gabe, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is based on a song. I don't know this stuff. <clears throat> What's the history here? What came first, the chicken or the egg? The, 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 if, if the song is the egg, the egg came first. So the, the song is the chicken, then the chicken came first. It was a carol. It was a carol first, and then they made a movie. It was movie a song about it. written by Johnny Marks. Okay, of uh, which frame? Of the Smiths. No, Johnny Marks. He was a Jewish songwriter. All the best we, Christmas songs have been written by Jews. That's, that's just a fact. True. That's it, it, that is a fact. That's not opinion. That's not my favorite <laughs> or the best. That's just fact. So how old is the song compared to the movie? They came out together or, or close by? Oh, you want to learn something? Yes, I never knew this stuff. I want to know what, who came Johnny up Marks, with... he was an American songwriter. Uh, he's dead. He died in 85, 1985. Uh, he specialized in Christmas songs, although he himself was Jewish, as Ben brought up. And didn't, he didn't celebrate Christmas, but he wrote many holiday standards, including Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Now, you got to remember, Gene Autry recorded that, and I think that was the first hit was for Gene Autry, right? He also wrote Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, one of my favorite, favorite Christmas songs. 
Here's uh, something else, and this this figures into Rudolph, I believe. Uh, a holly jolly Christmas. Mm. So he's getting royalties every Christmas. Here's another one that f- figures into Rudolph, Red Nose Reindeer. Uh, silver and gold. Wow. Uh, he also wrote, "I heard the bells on Christmas Day." He is also credited with writing "Run Rudolph Run." Wow. But this is due, t- but this is due to his trademark of the Rudolph character rather than any input in the writing of the song. So wait a minute, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as a concept started with Johnny Marks's song that didn't exist as a story before right. the song. Oh wow! Right. He right. named. He's the first guy to name a reindeer Rudolph. But he owns the rights probably to the movie. What, what's the story? The night before Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Rudolph they, appears they, in that story. I don't. I don't think so. Oh, okay. but the other ones do. Okay. You know, Dancer and Prancer and Comet and Vixen. Yeah, Donner but now you're singing Blazen, again, and that's Blazen, not the story. <laughs> yes, but at the beginning of the song, he says, "You know these reindeer." But you don't know this other reindeer because he, Rudolph's not in Twas the Night Before Christmas. And then he goes, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And that's when Johnny Marks comes in. Brilliant. And so years later, they, you know, they make a special about the song. Yeah. You know that comic singer? Same thing happened with Frosty the Snowman. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that, you know, you know Mario Cantone? Mario Cantone. Yes. He had he does a great bit. He's about, dead too, right? No, no, he's alive. Okay. He has a hilarious routine about what an asshole Santa is and how Rudolph should tell him to go fuck himself at the end of the thing. And Santa is a total dick. He's a, he, he sucks. And Gabe, have you noticed how the uh, abominable snowman, the Bumble, looks like uh, your favorite Steve Bannon? <laughs> uh... I, I had to come back to that when you wrote that on your page, but I forgot it. So I, 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 you caught me flat-footed here. It looks a lot more like Steve Bannon than Max Crawford does. <laughs> put a put a flannel on that guy. <laughs> put five flannels on that guy. All right, all right. What there else we go. got? Yeah, what's your pick? Or do you want me to do me to do my pick? Uh, I'll 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 do a pick, and and this is. Uh, Something that's going to be on a future episode of Ben's and mine, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Take ownership. Podcast. 70 movies we saw in the 70s. We're going to get deep into this one, but but I, I have been watching this a lot this last week. And But this, with, you know, what's his face finally burning in hell uh, this last week? Uh, Kissinger. Yeah. Henry Kissinger. Watching these '70s paranoid thrillers is the is the perfect thing to do. These Watergate, Nixon era, sweet spot Kissinger stuff. Uh, Three Days of the Condor. This is Joe Turner. Identify yourself. Condor. Section nine, Department seventeen. The section's been hit. Level of damage. Doctor Lap, Janice, Ray, Harold. Everybody is dead. Robert Redford, Faye Dunaway, Cliff Robertson, Max von Sydow, and John Houseman. Three Days of the Condor, rated R. It's a Christmas movie. Really? Yes. Have you ever seen this? No. Okay. Mm. From 1975, directed by Sidney Pollack. 
Great movie. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. That's it. Uh, as far as alternative Christmas movies go, I like it way better than... Uh, what are you going to say? Die Hard? Die Hard, yeah. I think it's time we all admit Die Hard kind of sucks. And it's too soon. We got to wait to, for Bruce Willis to go. Oh, yes. So d- don't push him. No, no. Alan Rickman died, so we can say it. <laughs> Rickman. Rickman's good in that movie. And Bruce Willis is very good in that movie. It's just kind of a, it's a dumb movie. Everyone acts so stupid in that movie. What's it called? It's called Three Days of the Condor. 75? Uh... 75. Your favorite era. It's on yeah. Amazon. It's on Paramount Plus. It's all over there for you. It looks kids. good, too. Oh, my watch God. Good looking great. movie. Cartoons in the 70s, but not movies. And John Houseman is in it. Remember John Houseman? Was he on Night Court? We earned it. <laughs> Faye, Dunaway, okay. Faye Dunaway, that's not your type of woman on screen, Gabe? She's good. She's all right. Oh, but you know what? I should have picked. Well, there's always next I should week. Have picked Carol. Next week. Oh, okay. Ben. I wonder if you two had the same kind of childhood as I did. I, I'm not. I don't know. But this is you a two the band. Yeah. Bono. They grew up during the yeah troubles. yeah funny cool. stuff. That's a gr- what a brilliant pun. Um, this movie, I think, was something i watched every christmas i mean i think that they ran it like all day long burn on christmas every year it's wonderful life no well we've already covered that one yeah in depth i knew this movie as march of the wooden soldiers but i guess it originally was called babes in toyland it's the 1934 version with laurel and hardy you can. Why, you know the toy maker and I are just like that. Aren't we, Stanley? Are you? Why, certainly. Which is you? Why, this one, right? Never mind which is you. Come on, let's go. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> don't forget your lunch. Goodbye. And don't you worry. No, I won't. I won't. Goodbye, boys. This movie freaked me the fuck out. It's freaky. It's the stuff of nightmares. It's fantastic. The songs are amazing. The creatures are amazing. Uh, they're hilarious, as always, Laurel and Hardy. It's just, it, this is Christmas to me. March of the Wooden Soldiers. What's it showing on? It is on AMC Plus right nice. now. Okay. For years, it was like public domain. Right. I still think it kind of is. It's, it's, it should be easy to find. You should be able to find it on YouTube. It's a bizarre movie. Yeah. It's got a mouse or a rat that looks a lot like Mickey Mouse, uh-huh. but it's not. The Mickey Mouse. It's not pleasant. Yeah, I forgot all about that one. Mm-hmm. Good one. Shame on you. All right, Gabe. Yes, we got to go another round. No, <laughs> no. Okay. it's not a what's the best. What's the We're best? not doing that this week. You're gonna hate us for what's the best. Who, who hates us? <laughs> Hiatus. Uh, hiatus hernia. <laughs> hiatus too. Sure. Okay. Hey, everybody. It's Joel Spencer. Joel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for, for the invite. 
Well, you guys, uh, Menthol played a show last week at Empty Bottle. Yes. And how did how did that happen? Well, um, so the story actually starts right before the pandemic, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, We uh, back in 2008, actually, be to get really back to the beginning. um, There was there's a promoter down here in Champaign Urbana land uh, named Ward Gollings. And he uh, put together a show that was supposed to happen on right before the pandemic hit. Um, and it was going to be a 1993 revisited show. Um, Mm -hmm. well, in 2008, we did do the revisited show. Um, and then he, we were supposed to do the re revisited show right before the pandemic hit. And then uh, a friend of ours down here, um, there's a, uh, a fake, um, drinking fraternity down here, uh, called Pi Omega Mega. Um, of which everybody down here is a member and you get a nickname. Um, I think my mom's even in the frat. Um, and it's, it's just kind of a towny thing that we do. And, um, the leader of Pi Omega Omega, um, Moose is his nickname, um, had a cardiac event, um, at work. And, um, unfortunately, um, was deprived of oxygen for a while. And uh, he ended up being hospitalized for months and um, Ward got everybody together and uh, said, hey, can we do a benefit show? And without hesitation, we said yes. So um, as you know, it's to, to bring something back like that, um, it's not worth it just to do one show. Right. So we, so we did the show and then we got offered something else with Dianoga and small awesome in, uh, at the empty bottle in Chicago last weekend. And so we did it. Um, and you know, we've been offered other things and, um, I think where we're at right now is we decided we're going to be a summer band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that way we have half the year off and we can, Use the nice weather. I'll travel to Chicago because both the other guys are still up there. Um, And we'll rehearse and, you know, do whatever we want to do, um, which is a luxury. You know, it's, it's not, it's not like the, the sort of, uh, I mean, not like we didn't love playing before, but you know, we're not trying to make it now or anything. So, so it's just fun. It's just fun. How did you guys leave it? Like, was there ever an official breakup? Um, no, not really. I mean, it just sort of petered out because of, um, oh, well, I mean, just, you remember at that time yeah, toward the end of the nineties in Chicago, it was, seems like, you know, somebody flipped a switch and, um, everything just kind of dissipated. Um, we, I mean, for us, it was kind of the same thing that happened for a lot of the bands um, kind of in that scene, if you want to call it that, um, uh, the record label just decided that what we were doing wasn't what the market was going to bear anymore. Right. And, uh, that was that. And, and they also, you know, Gary Gersh was the president of Capitol records and he left. Yeah. Um, and you know, 
So it's a whole new administration. They don't have any ties to any of the smaller bands that they'd signed and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I've said this before. I, I sometimes feel like capital was sent here to destroy every band in Chicago. <laughs> well, who, who, it was us and, and uh, Triple Fast. You, Triple Fast, the Popes. The Popes, uh, man. I, I know uh, Jesus Lizard was on there as well. Yeah, yeah. Although my my memory of the Jesus Lizard thing was uh, they took it as kind of a joke yeah. and took the advance and then was basically delivered what they knew was not going to work for capital. We were Jesus that, Lizard can't be destroyed by a... Well, that's the thing. Band. Yeah, that that's the thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were a little more uh, not established and, you know, kind of the maybe a little naive maybe i don't know well you but, also uh, did like this really cool fucking record that was a complete left turn from the first record so danger rock science was this record that you i mean you went out of your way to go we're gonna do this it's almost like a concept record um you know you like you guys kind of made a new wave record yeah um and that was a conscious decision um there were some um there were some discussions about, you know, how far we were going to go in that direction. You know, um, I was pretty happy not doing a lot of that. And if we were going to go into that sort of area, I wanted, you know, I was thinking more, um, like I'm a huge killing joke fan. Um, and, uh, I was more into that sort of post-punk thing. As were yeah. the other guys, but you know, Balti really wanted to to do this uh, this more you know new wavey synth thing, and that was cool. I mean, we we all we all liked the songs. We're proud of what we wrote. Um, but the thing with us is that all we actually have three records, and all three of them are totally different. Our first record okay. we had we had a different name. We were called Mother, and we right. put out a, we put out a record in 1991, and. Um, we, we were listening to a lot of, uh, like just weird hillbilly music and, um, Southern rock. Um, we were influenced by like Jesco white. And so we made this weird sort of Southern punk rock record. Um, uh, a little the, bit of that on dry heaves. There's a little bit of yeah, CCR thing going on. Yes, exactly. So it, it, we didn't, you know, leave it completely. Uh, but then when we sort of you know, matured as songwriters, uh, we, we kind of moved away from that and um, yeah. m made the green record, which I feel like was, you know, really what we wanted, where we were, where we wanted to be at the time. But, you know, we, we just kind of can't sit in one place for very long. Um, and there was no interest in trying to, you know, make that part two. And also if you, if you take away the synthesizers and, and, you know, of which there's not really a ton, but if, yeah. if you sort of take the trappings away, a lot of the songwriting is pretty similar to the first record. Actually. Um, it's not a huge, it's the same band. Yeah. Um, it's not a huge departure, but I think it was enough that people were like, Oh, it's a new wave record. And well, capital certainly was like, what new wave nobody listens to that 
you know, and then 10 seconds later, like the whole, yeah, everybody listen to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) whatever. keep talking about this record the version that's on itunes is not the original version of the record that's right right yeah so our contracts with capital had us record a second record and they and we did it we recorded that record uh and that was fraught um i have to be delicate about how to describe it but um we were with a producer um who left for another job uh-huh. um, and then it took us a, it took us a while to get it all done and then we we, uh, we were really happy with it and we sort of turned it in and capital was like yeah no um, and then we were just kind of floating there for a while 
And then, you know, Gersh left and all that happened and they wouldn't give us the record. So um, we just re-recorded the whole thing so that we would own it and could use it. The original exists. Um, They're just sitting on it. Yeah, they just sit. They don't. They want. They don't want to do anything with it, and they don't want to release it to us. So, you it's know, just so spiteful, and that, you know, I just who, like who gives a shit? Why they don't give a shit? You know, why no. not just give it to you? You know. Well, I mean, I, the, the only thing I can imagine is, and I don't know that this is true. This could just be total bullshit, but. You know, what if something were to happen, you know, with the one that we recorded, then they would own the original and they could do something with it. They're not going to uh, gain. They're not going to gain anything from giving it to us. Right. And at the end of the day, they're a business. They don't care. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just chalk it up to good old capitalism. Um, I don't know. There's, you know, there's a lot of people that are know how to talk to labels and know how to get stuff from them a lot better than I think we do. So Probably. I mean, maybe there's somebody that could re- well, not reissue it, but issue it. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would I would like it. I mean, I don't want it to comp- I'm happy with what we did the second time around too. Yeah. Um and uh as I remember, um there's a couple song differences too. Uh there's on the new one we got rid of two songs. I can't remember what they are. And we added a, a one that we wrote in the meantime. Uh, oh, Bavarian Girl is not on the new one, I think. Okay. Uh, it's been a while since I've actually listened to it. I was listening those. to it today. It sounds great. <laughs> well, I love those songs. Thanks. It makes me think of the uh, Winter Dance Party. Yeah. Well, that was a blast. Yeah. That, that was, was so much fun. I mean, yeah. I watched you guys play every night, watch you play those songs. And, uh, and they were great, great songs. Well, thank you. Yeah, we had we had a great time on that tour. Um, yeah, that was us and Triple Fast Action and the Smoking Popes. Right. And uh, and I've seen actually I saw uh, the Josh Caterer trio down here in a tiny little bar um, not that long ago. And uh, man, he has not changed. His voice is exactly as it was. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just crazy. I'm. I'm just. I'm such a fan, and I'm so blown away by his natural. I mean, just the the tone that he has, the control, the range. It's just. It's just nutty, um, and it was really good to see him again. Um. You know, and I actually was going to go see the Pope's last night in uh, Bloomington because that's not too far from here, but. Um, it's you know this week's just a little too nutty yeah. for me, and I'm an old man. <laughs> so, so what are you doing down in Champaign these days? Are are you a librarian? Yeah, I'm a librarian. Um, after the after all that happened around '99 or whatever, uh, our version of um, of Danger Rock Science came out in 2002, um, and then. I kind of just floated around down here trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, I really didn't have a plan B. Um, and so what do you do? You just go back to school, right? Why not? Mm -hmm. So I took the loan and, um, went back to school at the U of I, um, 
and got a degree in history and then just kind of kept going and ended up with a master's in library and information science. Uh, but then I, um, I kind of got into this thing where I wanted to give back to um, the, the community college that had kind of helped me way, way back before any of this stuff happened with the band and all that. Um, and so I wanted to be a teen librarian um, in a, mm. in a uh, community college or a public library. And I ended up getting both. I ended up working at Parkland College down here for a little bit, and then an opening came at the public library in Urbana, and I applied for that and got it, and I've been there for 12 years. Um, and what I do mostly is work with teenagers. Um, I started a program uh, actually based on uh, UMedia in Chicago. And, and basically what we do is instead of like reading magazines about how teenagers want things to be we just actually ask the teenagers um and we set up we got the auditorium in in the afternoons at our library and we have um i mean i literally started with an acoustic guitar and an empty room um and since then we've gotten grants and we've gotten partnerships with the fabrication laboratory down here and the, and the makerspace um, there's a lot of really, really cool people down here. Um, and now we have like 3D printers and vinyl cutters, uh, electronic drums, electric guitars, bass, amplifiers. Uh, I got a bunch of pedals from Guitar Center has actually been a really great partner. They've been giving us guitars, like damaged guitars. Um, uh -huh. You know, if it's got a nick on it, they can't sell it and it doesn't make sense for them to send it back. So rather than destroy it, like take all the hardware off it and throw it away, they just give it to us. And then if I'm working with the teen and they show interest in wanting to pursue it, I'll just give it to them. Right. So then, so you know, we're just trying to keep, I'm trying basically to recreate the atmosphere that I had growing up down here where everybody was supportive. There were places to play. Um, people would drive you around, you know, um, so basically I do that. And then the other half of my time, I work with adults that are going through shit, uh, you know, to wow. be bullet. Um, I help people get aid, um, um, you know, housing, food. Um, I work with a lot of people that have uh, mental illness, uh, homeless, stuff like that. So it's, it's really actually a really wonderful thing job because mostly what I do um, is uh, be as selfless as I can and listen yeah. to listen to people and try to give them what they need right and and instead of me trying to like oh I'm a representative of this agency and we've decided that we're going to give you this instead I just listen to what they tell me because they're the experts on their own situation. And, yeah. you know, I might bend rules a little bit. I hope my administration doesn't see this. Um, <laughs> and we just try to make it happen, you know. Um, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, there's, the way this country is now, like, there's austerity measures, our, our budgets are getting cut. And thankfully, we haven't had any of those, you know, weirdo, like, audits or anything where people come in and, 
try to needle the staff into doing something wrong so they can you know say that their rights are violated or whatever we, you know we haven't had any of that um thank god right um so yeah i get paid to help people and it's it's freaking amazing that's I great be happier and it gives me because it's a government job it gives me the time off i need to take the train to chicago and rehearse with the band um and rehearse with my band down here now and um you know i mean it's just i, I can't believe that it's it's worked as well as it has i'm in a great great situation <laughs> So you never stop playing. You never said, fuck music. I'm not going to pick up the guitar. No, no, it's, it's not really, um, for me, like, I don't want to like 
bore everybody with the whole story but like i was showing you that picture of my dad my, yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of where i come from i mean we just you don't stop you know it's not like a hobby it's a right um you know my dad's a player well he was he's passed um and his his uh his wife my stepmom is a singer and her daughter my stepsister is a professional singer in los angeles and her father was until he passed a professional bass player in los angeles um he was in a band called clover uh which ended up well i might as well just drop the names um uh, they backed up Elvis Costello on his first record, and then um, after after John, that's my sister Gia's dad. After he left, um, they got a new singer and changed their name to uh, Huey Lewis and the News. What? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how did you meet Balti? At school. Yeah. Um, in in elementary school, actually. Really. Yeah, we've known each other that long, you know, off and on, but mostly on. Right. So when did you guys decide to start a band? <laughs> uh, well, actually, I was in a different band um, with Colin. Which and, was? Uh, they were called, we were called Thumper. Okay. And I have no idea why. And we were like a, um, I mean, you know, uh, we, it's hard to describe. We were... I mean, I wasn't the biggest replacements fan, but Charlie, our other guy, kind of was. So we were yeah. kind of in that sort of power pop thing, sort of. Uh, and anyway, um, so that band broke up and Charlie left and Colin and I were like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I know this guy. Um, he's a bit of a dick. But <laughs> <laughs> wasn't he in Hancho Overload for a little bit there? Yeah, too? I think almost. I, every, I think everybody was in Hancho for a minute. Um, they were so great. Well, that's. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it, it was basically. So all those kids, we were kids at the time. We're all college kids. Not like most of them were not from here, okay. uh, but Balti and I were, and Colin was. Um. And, you know, at that time, it's just everybody played music just because. Right. Cause. And so we had a mutual, mutual interest. And then the it was a great place where all these people of the same age from kind of different backgrounds could come together and um, just sort of do whatever. So Balti was kind of in with them more than, than we were. Um, just I don't know why. Maybe because I don't know why, actually. Yeah. Um it, um, I think I maybe had to stick up my butt about being a townie as well and mm -hmm. didn't know, didn't know how to talk to very many people. Um, but we, but we figured it out and, um, and I ended up living with, um, in a huge house with the honcho guys and, um, some of the hum guys were there. Well, at that time it was like the poster children and, yeah. Poncho and uh, the Digits were living with us. Really, I didn't. From Mattoon, you know the Digits from Mattoon. Yeah. They were on Touch yeah, yeah. and Go, so they they were um, in town and were part of all that. Um, and Love Cup. yeah, Love Cup. Oh my God, yeah, Love Cup was was 
doing amazing things. And uh, I mean, that one record in particular, Griefus, Gronkus, was yeah. just absolutely incredible and sort of predated a lot of the, you know, I feel like we were, we were writing the same sort of, we'd read, we'd all read the same punk zines that everybody yeah. in Seattle did, you know, and we were all listening to the same stuff. Um, and so we were all like sort of making sort of the same kind of music yeah, um, or, or, or coming from the same place, not really m making the same sounding music. Although I don't think right. that those Seattle bands all really sound like each other either. There was a mm -hmm. great, a great club called Mabel's on campus Right. started in the sixties and would have, you know, big touring bands would play there like right before they got super huge. So, I mean, we saw uh, Jane's Addiction at Mabel's and um, Nirvana played at Trito's Uptown, which was like this little tiny place. Right. Um, Black Flag played at a friend of mine's house uh, during that time. Um, <laughs> I mean, we were a college town, so a lot of those bands knew there'd be an audience. Um, and it's just kind of what we all did. We, ne we never questioned it. It never, um, I don't know. I mean, I had my background and just sort of was going to do this anyway kind of thing. Right. And, th and then there was just all these other people. So it was, it was amazing. You know? Yeah. I, I would see champagne bands in Chicago all the time. And yeah. it was kind of at a certain point it was like, Oh, they're from champagne. I'll go see them. Even if I didn't know anything about them. Yeah. We have, a, we had a, a friendly, um, there was a bit of a friendly competition too. You know, you'd get these bills and it would be all of us. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you kind of wanted to stand out. So, you know, you we would all be listening to each other's records and being like, oh, shit, that's fucking yeah. great. You know, we got to get better, you know. Right. And I think that helped a lot. Yeah. It was helpful. So when did you guys move to Chicago? <laughs> Um, so we actually got signed by Capitol, um, out of Champagne. They sent it, they sent an A&R guy to little old Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, and saw us at a club called the Blind Pig. Yeah. And, um, uh, his name was Craig Aronson, A&R guy, and, um, he's since passed. Um, and he, he wanted to sign us right as, as soon as we got off stage. Um, and so that happened and I'm a little fuzzy on what happened in terms of recording after that. And when we act, were you guys fielding other offers from other labels or was it just basically uh, capital? Oh, I think there was a couple more. Um, I don't remember if RCA was, I don't remember exactly. Uh, but we pretty much were like capital Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which I think a lot of us did. Um, and, you know, we were just kind of free Beatles CDs you're going to get. And we did. And it was yeah. great. And I still have some. Sign the beast. 
Chicago that people had already heard the green record. Hmm. I, I, I want to say that's true because I think that's how we met triple fast action is they Wes in particular, like really liked the record and look, you know, found us. And, um, and then that turned into this whole other thing that was, you know, Wes and I were roommates and we shared a practice space and uh, or they left a practice space and we got it and we did a tour together and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and my God, I loved that band. I loved that band so much. I thought they were, because I'm like, the first record I ever, first rock and roll record I ever got was um, Cheap Trick in Color. I got it for Christmas in like, whenever it came out, 70. Yeah eight or whatever and i just thought triple fast and grabbed what i loved about that about cheap trick that just so incredibly midwestern so incredibly chicago area and still had all that power and um super hooky yeah not, but yeah. not That's not great. quite not quite poppy um i just i just man I, I i fell in love with that band and was so happy uh and and proud frankly to be sort of in that orbit um yeah it was fun oh my god I mean, but we've we've talked you know like wes and blake and i and 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 i think there was there's a consensus that you guys might have won the uh, debut record sweepstakes yeah i don't know yeah it's yeah. pretty good yeah we're i mean faulty writes some pretty fancy words 
<laughs> yeah, fancy words. So, I, so you guys did that with Brad Wood? We did. Um, yep, we did. Um, we did that kind of all over the place. Um, we ended up in... Where did we do most of that? I think we did that in Atlanta. Mary, I remember staying in Marietta. And, um, and uh, yeah, super happy with it. Um, loved what Brad did. Um, it's one of those things I listen to now and, and kind of, like, I remember doing it, but I'm kind of, it's been long enough now that I, it, it, it almost sounds like somebody else, you know? Yeah. Which is, which is kind of cool. It's actually. very cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's super cool. Um, so yeah, we did that with Brad and then we were, we started with him on the second record and then that turned into that just got weird. You know, I, I think I was not really aware. I think other people were way more aware than I was, um, about the sort of, uh, changing tides as it were. Um, you know, I was so, uh, single-minded and, you know, to me, it was just sort of obvious that this is what, this was going to be my life, you know, right. uh, no plan B rock and roll forever, that whole thing. Um, you know, my hero at the time, um, like one of my heroes was, uh, Shane McGowan, rest in peace. The poor yeah. went out for him, for him. And I kind of had that same sort of fuck it. I'm just going to do it attitude, um, for better or for worse, for worse, actually, (laughs) as it turned out. Um, so yeah, I, I just wasn't prepared as much as I think most other people were that were ready to go and do other things. Um, well, I'm with you. Like, I mean, for me, I thought that we all, like everybody was like, they're, I thought nobody had a plan B, you know what I mean? I thought everybody was like, this is it, you know, there's nowhere else to pivot. But uh, I was surprised to find that a lot of people were able to pivot. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well, it took me a few years to figure out where the pivot was, but but I eventually did. Um, I mean, I remember moving back down here thinking, oh, I'll just save up some money so I can go back to Chicago. Right. You know, and no, that's, that's not realistic. I mean, it, it, it just, you're kind of like George Bailey, dude. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It is a wonderful life. It is. It is. <laughs> you're doing, it, a, lot, it, it you're doing a lot more good there than, than you would here. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's a beautiful place to be for me anyway, at this age and, and, and this, um, just where everything is with me. Cause now I can do this again, uh, as much as, as those guys want to do it. And I'm, and I'm also playing with other people now, which is amazing. Um, and it, it doesn't have the sort of, uh, anxiety of this, this sort of, you know, uh, mountain climbing the industry or anything. Like I yeah. just, I, I don't, it's purely for pleasure. Um, and that is way more fun than, you know, trying to make it a business and, uh, you know, making everybody happy and worrying about points and all that crap. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, yeah, we're doing cool stuff down here. So let's talk about the practice space. 
Oh. You know, they, they demolished that. Oh, they did? They did. So oh, wow. you guys were in it with Triple Fast. Yeah. I, right? no, I don't re- yeah, I think, I think we shared it for a while. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, because right. their, their van was there. And before then that, we got it from Triple Fast, and we we had had it up until like the beginning of the pandemic, and then no we got shit. kicked out. Yeah, oh, no, we've you, been there forever. Oh, that's right. I remember because I watched your your streaming stuff, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, holy shit, that's the practice space. That's the practice space, and it yeah. still had the stuff spray painted in the back. Yeah, like menthol is menthol is, fast rules. Menthol's, Menthol's okay. okay. Menthol's okay. Figure sucks. <laughs> oh, oh, good times. And before us, before Triple Fast, that's where the pumpkins practiced. Right. And before that, I don't know if if anything, it might have just been storage for the parking garage. I did a couple of things with uh, Jimmy Chamberlain, and he would come in there. He's like, this is our old practice space, man. It's yeah. really freaking me out. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really um, – that room served Chicago uh, people well for a very long time. Yeah. It should have been a landmark. Yeah, it really should have. We, I mean, we would spend – you know, we, we'd stay – I mean, we wouldn't like – bring sleeping bags or anything but we'd go in there to write and before you knew it it was five and six in the morning you know right and it was such a great away from the city away from the bars away from everybody like you could just hunker down and get weird and it was yeah just lovely you know no yeah. windows no windows you know um, it was really hot in the summer that's true really cold cold in the winter that's true
playing um balti tells me it was the metro but i seem to remember a night at lounge acts where we were playing and uh louise uh post got up to sing and i i think nina might have as well and louise sang back up and she sang into my mic mm-hmm. and i was just completely blown away by I mean, it was like a laser coming out of her face. Like I couldn't, be- <laughs> I it was, I couldn't believe how much power she had. First of all, she was yeah. so so much louder than me, and had like perfect intonation, and the tone was amazing. And I was like, why are these people even like? I mean, I think we're a good band, but Jesus, like these guys are cheating us, like. I, it was just a wonderful thing. Like every, everybody in Chicago was so great to us and so helpful and um, really acted like, you know, they wanted us there and we were part of the whole thing. And um, it, it was it was just a, a, a wonderful time. Um, yeah. yeah, it really it, it really was. We all just had a freaking blast. And that tour we did with Triple Fat was that that wasn't uh that wasn't the winter dance party, but when you were playing guitar with Triple Fast, that was winter dance party. It was, uh, it was yes. okay. So I'm so yeah, I get confused. Yeah, you I Triple Fast that. and and the Popes. Yeah, and you guys were all on Capitol, and you were well That's by right. that point Triple Fast had left Capitol. Yeah, you guys, you guys and the Popes were dealing with still with Capitol bullshit. Yep, and that yep. tour was fun, and and it was successful. Like yeah, people came it out. Was. Yeah, that Metro show was, that was, yeah, that whole tour was great. And I still have people um, that bring that up. Um, and it was named after, you, you want to talk about what it was named after? It was named after the tour that uh, was Big Bopper and Buddy Holly. And uh, <laughs> uh, and it was the tour in which uh, they died. Um, right. The, the plane crash, the day the music died. So yeah. we, we picked up the mantle. <laughs> right. Right. Just, just like, you know, flirting with disaster. Just yeah. Courting, courting it. Yes. It courting, was... courting disaster and, and really taking it upon ourselves to, to think that, you know, we were worthy of picking it up. But yeah, right, but right. most, but mostly I think it was the, the, the flirting with disaster part. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you're right. I think that a lot, you know, a lot of us, we were dealing with that label stuff and, you know, the, the shininess was wearing off and, um, a little bit, you know, and there was some, you know, I think it, it sometimes made for, for better shows. I think there was a little more anger, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, which was cool. 
um yeah i don't know i mean i thought i thought what you guys were doing with that that record uh danger rock science was was great and it was it was brave and the songs were terrific and i thought uh smoking pope's second record was better than their first record and those guys you know and the record that triple fast put on a deep elm was better than their first record it's just like the fact that capital couldn't see that you guys all of you were growing and getting better just it blew my mind well and you know another thing i remember conversations i remember having at the time is i think all of us grew up in a time when record labels would put out five or six records right. before an artist had any kind of success Ario and- speedwagon had like what uh, 10 records before they started selling yeah exactly also from champagne urbana that's why i brought them up yes. exactly <laughs> I, I just wanted to drive the point home yeah um and uh and i think that's kind of what we expected or or just yeah. sort of assumed was going to happen and so when it didn't it was really insulting yeah. <laughs> you know like well what do you mean but it's just, you know, things had accelerated. And I just, I remember seeing Britney Spears on the TV and was like, oh, crap. That, that's it. <laughs> and done. <laughs> you know, guitar-based music just. So, but, you know, it, everything comes around. Um, yeah, definitely. I was, was in a guitar store and a guy was talking about, um, they didn't have any bass amps there. And I'm like, why don't you have any bass amps? And he's like, nobody uses bass amps. They just go direct. And I'm like, it's crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And then, you know, and then I'm looking online and actually, you know what? There's a whole lot of young people who want the big dumb bass amp because they think it's more authentic or they think it's more of well, it the, is. It's the, the more experience or it's, it's the experience that they want to have with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, mean, I don't. Why wouldn't don't, you want that air pushing at you? I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. No. So, you know, I, I mean, I don't fault anybody for any of it. I think it it all depends on, you know, what what you're playing and what venues you're playing and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's all all of it's good. But for that guy to be like, nobody does it anymore. I'm like, what? No. And I'm just so happy that, you know, we got, I've got teenagers that come into the teen open lab, that program I was talking about. And, you know, not only do we have kids that are like James Hetfield's the coolest thing ever, Uh you know, but I've got kids that are like, you know, 17 years old and love Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right. And I'm like, well, thank God. You know, I mean, it's not really my thing, but it's like, I'm just glad that they're, they're, the mainstream culture hasn't fully enveloped everybody's minds to the point where that's not available and 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 that's not attractive right. to to some young people. So, right. I mean, you know, we grew up with Austin City Limits and all that stuff, you know, and so you'd see stuff that you didn't know about, and it was awesome. Um, it wasn't the same thing being just on you know streamed all the time so right no they can't get everybody they you know they can't get everybody like there's there's bands in town kids and they know like you know they all sound like they're from the 60s and i'm like why why do you why do you why do you sound like this because it's it's, cool man it's better it's cool i'm like okay yeah it's the shit that's what they love 
that's, yeah, they want to sound like the Stones, and I'm like, great. Yeah, all the kids are right, dude. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, not all. So, of them, but a lot of Gabe's them. got a, Gabe's got a question for you, and Gabe. I don't know where this is going to go. I would have thought that I knew. No, you don't know. Neither one of us know. Ben doesn't even know which way this is going to go. I hope I know. By the way, another champagne person, ludicrous. Yeah, that's right. Born in champagne. That's right. I didn't know that. Yeah, Luda. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I think he got out of the city, but still, he's born there. Ario Speedwagon, ludicrous. Poster children. Uh, Adrian. Adrian Ballou lived here for a little while. Really? Yeah. That's weird. And uh, Dan Fogelberg. Wow. And, that makes um, sense. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> it really, yeah. really does. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so uh, Joel, we ask all the guests that come on the Uh-oh. show a repeating question. And uh, Ben and I like to predict what which way the guests are going to go. And this time, I don't think we can predict it. So I'm going to come up and ask you. If okay. you had to pick, if you had to pick between two bands, you could only listen to one. Uh oh. You're on a deserted island. You can only listen to one. You only got room for one. Between the replacements or Iron Maiden. Oh, easy, Maiden. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Back on track here. All right. Wow. Track. <laughs> before, before you got on, I would have thought replacements all the way, and then. You said you weren't a big replacements fan. I looked at Gabe and Gabe goes, <laughs> No, I mean, yeah. Uh, the other part about growing up down here is that, you know, especially in the 80s, I mean, fuck yeah, Iron Maiden. You know, we would go out and drink beer in the corn and what do you listen to? Listen to fucking metal, dude. Yeah. yeah I, was a, I was a huge metal kid. I, I mean, yeah. God, I have a huge uh, collection of thrash and uh one-off uh small metal imprint stuff still right. from high school yeah I, i'm i'm faulty is i think a little embarrassed by how much i love the metal <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean dude, yeah. steve steve harris i mean yes. i mean you can't beat that you can't beat it i don't care what space player you pull from where no, you're from he, he uses all the fingers. <laughs> Look at Ben. Ben's so upset. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just. No, no. I like it when Gabe wins one. It's good for his, good I for his morale. Before we, started, uh, before we started, I would have bet you would have taken the replacements just because of the hipsterness of, you know, champagne and stuff. But all right. I no. was with um, Rick Ness from Fig Dish the other night when Scott texted me that you were going to be on the show. And I said, oh. Joel from Menthol is going to be on the show. And Rick's like, that uh, Danger Rock Science, the the first version of it, is the best rock album that ever came out of Chicago. And he's still devastated that that version never wow. got released. Oh, my God. Wow, Rick. That's amazing. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him again. I'd love to see all those guys again. I, you know, um, I feel like there was a bit of an implosion there. And, um, you know, there never was for me like any sort of, uh, this is, you know, see you later. This is the last time it just sort of ended, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's probably some, some 
tension or weird vibes with with some people um i'd like to clear any anything that there is um and i'd just like to see everybody again i mean if there is any i don't know i don't remember Um, a lot of uh, i mean there was a few bands that had tension with each other but for the most part i i i mean maybe i was just an idiot but i just thought everybody was sort of getting along i thought so too yeah I, I thought it was a nice scene. I'm sure on the outside, the bands that didn't have record deals, we all seem like dicks and assholes. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Your story and what you're doing is great. Uh, I love Thanks, it. Man. And it's 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 uh, super admirable. Thank you. Yeah. Fun, too. I hope I didn't yeah. just... Black no, you much. made me. You know, I was kind of like, man, I, I want to move to Champagne. What am I doing here? <laughs> You'd be welcome, and I'll tell you, it's cheap. It's easy to yeah. live here. It's real easy, and parking is easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Okay. laughs> it's important. It's, it's important. So, right. Yeah, I don't know. So that's what I'm up to. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, you know, I hope I didn't bore your audience. I feel no. like you get. I feel like you get like legit rock stars on here and I'm like this librarian <laughs> from downstate. <laughs> no, no, I was, I've been excited to do it. I was excited to do this all week. Oh, very cool. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, very happy that you asked and honored. Well, uh, thanks for doing it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Joel. Uh, so it, this is taped, right? This is not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're and not it's live. just audio. It's audio only. Okay, good. Yeah. So I don't have to worry so no, about it. Uh, nobody will get to see that you have twice as much hair as Gabe and I combined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. That's one thing, Balti. Uh, <laughs> I remember right right before the show at the Empty Bottle, I looked in the mirror backstage and was like, what the fuck's going on here? And Balti just goes, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> It's just genetic. Yeah, Herb still got quite the head of hair, and I'm always like, "Oh, dude, why are you just grow it out? Just grow it long." He's like, "Ah, "I don't want." I'm like, "You owe it to all of us who can't do that anymore." You, you you know, I, I, I saw him at uh, the Amel and the Sniffer show, Uh uh, which was fucking phenomenal, by the way. Great, yeah. Oh, Oh my god, I couldn't believe how how much fun that was and um i'm like hey hey you're alive what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) and and then b you don't really look that different no like how the fuck is that i mean i'm assuming this is not the show anymore so i'm gonna talk shit um, oh, this is the this is the main part. Now of we're getting oh, into it. Yeah. yeah now, 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 now the show starts. Well, it's 
Don't you know it's gotta be strange living? Don't you know it's gotta be? 